0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Relationships Rule. I'm Janice Porter, your host, and with me today, I have a special guest all the way from New York, Sam Jacobs. Oops, first of all, please um, say hello and thanks for coming, Sam.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Janice. I'm happy to be here.
0: My pleasure. Um, Sam is the CEO and founder of Pavilion, a community powered learning platform for go to. Um, market leaders and teams. And I'm I'm going to let Sam explain a little bit about how that all happened and what Pavilion is. Um, but he's also the uh, author of a book called Kind Folks Finish First. If I ever do this in video, there it is. Um, <laughs> and, uh, um, and it was an interesting book because it really um, spoke to me about my values and how Sam found those values when he started, you know, through his journey and uh, I, I'd like to start actually there if I could. And that is basically on the off ramp and how in about 2017, I think it was, you'd been working for um, a lot of startups, correct? And yeah. um, it's funny because I identified not for me, but my daughter, my daughter, my young daughter had been working for startups over the last four or five, six years and you know, went through and then. First, she had she had to leave because she moved from Toronto back to Vancouver, but the company had already been sold. And so she knew things were changing. And then two other companies, one grew so big, then they decided, oh, they um they didn't need to spend all that money on this first group of people that they hired. And now they've trained these other ones. They said goodbye and pulled the plug on them all. And that was a big eye opener for my daughter. So I know you had experiences like that over the years. And then something happened for you this last time. Would you share that with us?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, my my experience is is certainly uh, relatable to your daughter's experience. You know, I am um, I've been working in New York two times. The first time was from 1999 to 2000 in investment banking, mm-hmm. and then I left that to start a record label, and I came back to New York in 2003. So 20 years ago, to work in high growth companies, and um, I left. Uh, one of those companies in 2010, and so there was a journey, really, that happened from 2010 to 2017, where the book starts, which is that I became a, a member of the senior executive team of startups, of early stage companies, you know, that were barely, barely uh, had product market fit, you know, barely had a product that that large groups of people would want, and I was running sales and marketing uh, for a lot of those companies. And, um, you know, when I, when, I was, when I got out of undergrad and when I was growing up, you read about C-level executives and you think or assume maybe that, you know, there's, it's, it's incredibly lucrative and it's incredibly impactful and that there's career stability and longevity once you get to the C-suite. Mm-hmm. And what I discovered is that th- that might be true in the Fortune 1000, but in the high growth world, um, the higher that you get, the more volatile uh, and uncertain your life becomes, which was a big shock. And so um and I and I hadn't realized the statistic that most C-level executives at high growth companies at startups particularly in sales and marketing last under a year and a half they last under 18 months the the lifespan is really 17 months so um I worked at one place that I really helped get going from very from very early stages for four and a half years and, you know, the, the book is also about this journey that I've been on because, you know, I'm very honest about it. Uh, I, I'm not asked to leave. Mo- I, I'm not I'm not leaving voluntarily. Most most okay. of the time people are asking me to leave. So I was fired from that company and then I went to work at another startup and I worked there for about a year and a half. And then uh, I didn't I wasn't fired, but I felt like the company was going to go out of business. So yeah. then I went to work for another company. And this is where and I was only at that company for nine months. And this is where the book begins. It begins on Friday, the 13th, October, 2017. And uh, I remember it uh, somewhat vividly, although, you know, my, my brain is not good enough to remember completely vividly. But, you know, there's this big stretch of highway on the East Coast, if you're familiar with it in the United States. It's called the New Jersey Turnpike. And I was driving down the New Jersey Turnpike. It was sort of a rainy overcast day. And I was with my wife and my dog, Walter. Uh, And I was using my phone as the GPS because this was before like Apple CarPlay and GPS was built into all of these cars. And this was a rental car at the time. And um, I got a message from uh, from my boss. And so we pulled over to the rest stop and, you know, let the dog uh, do its business and got some food. And I read the email and the email said, you know, I didn't realize you'd be out today. Uh, Can you see me first thing in the morning? And I, uh, this, this particular boss was not a morning person. And, uh, and normally she would come in at 10 30 or 11. And so I knew that if she wanted to see me at 8 AM, it wasn't good. And it was very terse. And, uh, and I could read between the lines because I knew that things weren't going that great at work that I was being fired. Uh, on on that Monday and and as I mentioned this was you know I was this was going to be firing number three Mm -hmm. out of the last four jobs with the one job I wasn't fired at I left because I thought they were going to run out of money and um and so Monday came and went and it turned out that I was correct and I told my wife I kissed her goodbye I said I'll be back in a couple hours most likely you know that's what I I would expect to see me before lunch we can have lunch together And um, and that's exactly what happened. And so in that moment, you know, that was um, for whatever reason, it was an inflection point and it was an inflection point for me around, um, you know, a lot of things about my narrative and, and my own kind of sense of who I was, what I stood for and where I wanted to go. And rather than I was just very cognizant of the fact that sort of the playbook in those cases is to is to grieve in some way and is to uh, absorb these negative lessons and to lick your wounds. And maybe you go to the beach for two weeks or a month and you really decompress and you you reflect. And that just was not where my head was at. I, I just resolved in that moment that I was going to use this as an opportunity to make myself um, more powerful and more successful. And I don't mean powerful to lord it over other people. I just, in a sense, meant take control of my life. Right. That's, that's, that's what my conclusion was. And, and to do that, you need to start your own business. I would realized that um, you know, my journey, people say starting your own business can be the riskiest thing that you do. What I'd realized for me personally is that actually it was far, far riskier for me to go into work every day, working for somebody else, having my future and my family's future in somebody else's control, and not really having a lot of say or input, but, but being a, in some ways a victim, or at least at the test of others. And so, uh, so in that moment, I decided I wasn't going to do that. And so I started, I, I resolved to set off on this journey to build my own business, my own revenue streams. And, you know, that was, that was 2017. So that was about six years ago, five and a half years ago. And since that time, uh, I, I actually did work one more place uh, before I worked on um, Pavilion the company that I run full-time but I negotiated so well uh, for that last place that even though I got fired from there too it was incredibly lucrative and a, and a really rewarding outcome for me
0: right and there's a few things I want to come back to from that story um, and thank you for sharing that so I'll start with the end where um you talk about how you in the book you talk about how you negotiated your out uh, your exit with your starting contract and I i read that to my daughter because I said I did I said and she said like she's not an executive level but she was at like a, a manager level and and she did you know get a little bit of severance in in all cases but I thought that was a really interesting point that you made sure that you were going to be looked after to the point that would help you move forward than just be you know get the get the uh, pink slip, so to speak. And I liked that. The other thing that I really found um, so important is that um, I I work, and one of my mentors is um, Cody Bateman, who owns a company called Promptings, which um, powers um, send out cards, which is a a tool that, that I basically share with people that sends cards and gifts. But the whole thing that I remember always from what Cody has said, I've been there 15 years with that. I'm an affiliate with the company. He always says, the stories in your mind become the stories of your life. And in your book, you said your life is whatever story you tell yourself. And the most important point is that what you tell yourself, that story is your choice. And that's the choice you, you switched. It's like, Right. You said that at that moment, you decided there was going to be a new story. You weren't ever going to do that anymore. And what's so interesting, and you're paraphrasing Henry Ford in this, but, it, you know, that's where it all it probably went back to. And um, what's so interesting to me about that is that we we go on and on and on thinking one thing, being a victim or whatever that piece is for us. And then really, we can change it if we choose to. And so that's what I think for the audience is really important to know that we can. It doesn't take, you know, you can be in the depths of losing your job and what am I going to do next? But when you make that resolve, things will change.
1: That's been my experience 100%. And I think, um, you know, there's people, there's cynical people. I I talk to a lot of people and specifically about this point, there's sort of two related points. One of them is that you are the author of your narrative. and, And I think there's a related point about, How you feel about yourself? And there's another part in the book where I talk about, you know, if the voice inside your head was an external party, was a different human being, would you be friends with that person? Yes. You know, how would you feel about them? And a lot of the times, people certainly for me, uh, people, I, I remember, and it's again in the book. I was going for a run, and my my friend and said, "How's it going?" And I sort of, I talked about my life in a way that wasn't particularly complimentary, particularly, you know, energizing or positive or optimistic. And he asked me the question. And I think this is this is the key, I think, for some of the ideas that we talk about in the book. And again, to your point, Janice, uh, one of them is just that you have control. You can call yourself lucky or unlucky. you you'll be correct in both cases, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you think you're unlucky, you are. If you think you're lucky, you are. Um, and similarly, you can think that you're a good person or a bad person. And again, you know, now your actions have a lot to say about that, but generally speaking, like whether you think you've been successful or unsuccessful is again, a framing that you can decide. Now there are people that hear that and they say, I get that, Sam. I understand that, but I'm telling you objectively, objectively, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a jerk or I'm a failure or I have not succeeded, or I am not doing what I wanted to do. And, uh, and the, and the, the the question that I think is the most useful question in that instance, because uh, it's, it's, it cuts to the heart of the matter is, um, is it, does that work for you? Does that work for you? Do you get results? It's a practical question, right? Because there's all kinds of, I think there's a lot of uh, philosophers. I, I think that you know, there's people that argue that free will is a logical impossibility uh, based on the way that the universe is structured and that it's you know, you, you can they can show you that things are happening before you even think to do them. There's this whole esoteric debate about it. The point is what's more useful what's more useful and what's more fun and and even if you think that you're a complete failure and that uh you've been done dirty and that you have no agency in the world and that you're a complete victim it's not a useful framing even if it's true right even Mm -hmm. if you go to the pearly gates and god tells you, you know what you really were a victim and you really weren't at fault it doesn't matter because it's not a very useful tool in your toolkit to blame other people and to blame outside circumstances, even though it's true that outside circumstances sometimes have a very large impact on your life. So the, um, you know, the, the long story short is yes, I, I believe that you can change. I also believe it takes a lot of work and, and it's not something you can't snap your fingers. It requires daily practices or, or at least an attempt at daily practices. It requires, for me, it requires journaling. And, uh, and and part of the journaling isn't just gratitude journaling, but also self compassion. Saying, you know, I care about you. Speaking directly to myself, I care about you. I love you. I'm supportive of you. I'm talking to myself, probably to fill a gap that you know I didn't have from somewhere else.
0: So that's interesting to me. So, and you, I, well, I shouldn't really ask this, but uh, in the sense that you know, did that come to you? Like for me, men who journal that I find that you've got a strong sensitive side. And that's not a lot of men that I know. However, um, did you go to therapy? Did you have coaching? Did you did it come from, from, you know, like, have you always loved to write? And that's why you're journaling? Um, Because that to me is a really sensitive thing.
1: I think, yeah. And and again, I talk about it, um, you know, in the book that I did go to therapy for a long time. And uh and and when I say what I'm about to say, people say, well, you must not have had a good therapist. Maybe so. <laughs> might be true. It didn't work for me. And uh, yeah. and why didn't it work? I felt like I felt like therapy was about removing agency for me. Again, mm-hmm. speaking to myself, I support anybody that yeah. anybody that needs help should get it. But for me, I would go into these sessions and it and it wasn't quite about who to blame, but it was kind of who to blame. It was, oh, well, your mother and your father didn't do this and your wife didn't do this. And I can see why you feel like that. Mm-hmm. And I, um, it didn't, it didn't, you know, it didn't make me feel better. I wasn't happier. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because it's really about like uncovering the reasons for trauma or for pain and then really analyzing them. But my experience, to be completely honest, is that the more you talk about pain, the more pain you'll be in and it doesn't mean that you shouldn't acknowledge what you're feeling but here's what happened things changed when i got a coach and, mm-hmm. and this coach is a life coach and a mindset coach now he's also very good at business and has great business ideas but primarily what he's about is as i wrote uh you know recently on social media he's about holding his clients in unconditional positive regard he's about teaching the habits the mastermind habits of henry ford and rockefeller and Firestone and um, and even the, the
0: Napoleon Hill people
1: <laughs> they are the Napoleon Hill people yeah. and, and uh, I believe that Napoleon Hill stuff
0: yes you know? oh, absolutely yeah yeah,
1: it, yeah exactly right it's about hey you have far more control than you think mm-hmm. and you have to believe and there's a spirituality that's required because We're not going to be able to show you a scientific formula as to how you can make, how your thoughts can make an imprint on the universe that yields results. And again, if you think I'm completely full of beans, that's fine. But let's go to the second question. What's the most useful? What's the most fun way to live? It's far more fun to think you have control than than to assume that you have none. But yeah, and the coach is about... Let's, let's imagine the world that you want. Let's put ourselves in the future. Let's look backwards from the future and say, you've accomplished what you wanted to accomplish. How are you going to do that? My coach is about a mate. My coach is the reason I wrote the book.
0: Ah, interesting. He
1: said, you've had all the success during COVID. People need to hear this story. You should write a book. And I said, I don't know. I don't know that it's really that interesting. And he said, we'll give it a shot. And so at any rate, where this came from was, uh, was an evolution of working with a coach mm-hmm. and then there was this again you know I'm like big on epiphanies I guess but there was an epiphany on the rooftop of the 1 hotel in South Beach Miami mm-hmm. and I was there by myself because uh, my wife and I were at odds mm-hmm. and um and I just started writing uh, this time on my phone uh and the realization was about compassion it was about compassion for yourself that the, the last piece was that you have to be kind to yourself. It doesn't mean lower your standards and it doesn't mean accept mediocrity, but it means you have to train yourself and you have to directly love yourself. Mm -hmm. And it is really true that if you are not comfortable with yourself and not happy with yourself, and I don't mean like ecstatically happy, I mean content, I mean at peace with. um, If you're not at peace with yourself, it's gonna be really hard to bring love or positivity out to anybody else in the universe.
0: So if I could just spin from there to something that i notice about people when i'm working you know talking to new people prospects uh, referral partners whatever because i meet a lot of people on linkedin and you talk about um two things that that struck me in the book one is about the power of one's network and the second one was um uh making generosity your competitive advantage and i love that and um and so They kind of go together in a way. So I wish, would you talk to that a little bit?
1: Yeah, I think they go directly together. And I point out in the book, um, you know, people say, no, you're not. When I say I'm an introvert, maybe I'm an ambivert, you know, there's certain kinds of human to human connections that give me energy and there's certain kinds that don't. Small talk tends to not, and, you know, yeah. interesting conversation about ideas tends to.
0: I'm totally but, the same. I totally yeah. recognize that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Walking into like a crowded cocktail party and sort of having to shake hands and introduce yourself. And it's very exhausting for me. But my point <laughs> is this. So everybody says, okay, I want to network. What should I network about? You know, what, what is networking? Yes. And for me, networking is about helping other people. That's what it's about. That's the purpose of it. And and again, the point that I make in the book is it's not even, it's fun to help other people, but it's not the whole point of the book. And you know, permit me a brief, brief aside. I went to the publishers and um, I told them that this is what the book was going to be called. And they said, shouldn't it be called like the kindness principle or kindness or the kind book? Because it's not really about finishing first, Sam, right? It's about. Um, it's just about like, it's a good thing to be kind. And I said, no, that's exactly not the point. You've missed it.
0: <laughs> yeah. the point of
1: The book is that this is, this is a business practice. Mm-hmm. It's just a business practice that plays out over a longer period of time than one quarter or one week or one month. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so my point is that what should you do when you network? What you should do is you should look for opportunities to help people and connect them to resources or support that they need. And that gives you direction, right? When you're, when you're networking and it gives you purpose. And then again, it's so on helping other people without asking for anything in return is so unconventional in the modern world. Everybody is used to even I've got a, you know, a communication with, with, um, with a member of pavilion pavilions you know this paid membership community saying i paid this much money and i haven't received any sales qualified leads or marketing qualified leads yet as if we're not being i you know like that's not
0: exactly yeah
1: not really like the point yeah. of what we're doing um and so my point is that you look different when you can be generous you look different when you give without off asking for anything in uh in return and it's not that you are sacrificing something what you're doing is you're just continually making deposits into the bank of karma and you will be able to draw them down over time. It's just that if you absolutely need to be transactional, what you're doing is really pushing people away and pushing the universe sort of rejects desperation and it rewards abundance. And uh, and gratitude and generosity are the frequencies most harmonious with abundance in the universe in my experience, which is a long way of saying that if you're not sure what, you know, if you don't like networking like me, look for people to help and don't ask for anything in return. And in so doing, you will differentiate yourself. People will remember you. And if you do that over time, it's the value of compounding interest over time it accumulates and it accumulates and then you look around and you've helped lots and lots of people and then when you need help people will be there for you and that's again the point of the book was mm-hmm. when i got fired and i started building my consulting business and and turning it into what would become pavilion um lots of people were there to help me lots and lots of people yeah.
0: so, thank you thank you for that cuz that that to me was was really what drew me to you in the first place when when we first uh, when when i was first introduced to you by um, are you, you with, um, you're with, uh, uh, Tom Schwab's, um,
1: I think it's Alex Petrarca was the, was the woman that may have already yeah,
0: interviewed valet though. Is it? Yeah, that, yeah. yeah. So Tom's been on my podcast twice. He's a super, oh. super guy. Um, so you made me think of another fellow that I interviewed, Steve Farber, his book, love is just damn good business. Do you know that book?
1: I don't know, yeah, but I like yeah. it already.
0: Uh, love is just down good business. He's very funny and um, and same principle. I mean, you know it, it's about um, okay, so I I, I want to make sure that we have time for you to talk about um, pavilion because in in essence, you created your I think, your own kind of place to help people. And right. And so tell yeah. us, about, cause it didn't start as pavilion, but it turned into that name. What was the first name? I'm sorry. I just, uh...
1: revenue, it was called revenue collective,
0: right? Revenue collective. And,
1: and yeah. And then we changed to pavilion, uh, but what is it? It's um, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a community for uh, for go-to-market executives, meaning sales, marketing, customer success at companies that are looking to grow uh, and also for CEOs and founders. So it is If you're familiar with YPO, Young Presidents Org, or EO, Entrepreneurs Org, it's it's very much like that, but for uh, CEOs, founders, and revenue executives of high-growth companies. And the purpose of it is to help people unlock and and, uh, achieve their professional potential, which is a way of saying, we want to give you practical skills so that you can do what you want to do. You can start your own business. You can get promoted. You can run a company. You can serve on a board. We want to be a practical career development toolkit for you, powered by community, powered by community. So it's a yeah. Go ahead.
0: So, do you do masterminds and that kind of thing, or you do
1: masterminds you do
0: education as well for um, oh, It's yeah. the
1: connection. It's human connection plus education. That's sort of wow. like the magic formula. Right. So community underpins all of it, and we've got ten thousand members all over the yeah, world.
0: That's amazing. And
1: the, the the essence of it, to the point, you know, for a long time, we didn't even have a product and engineering organization, but we, we had, but I always say we did have technology. Technology is our values. Our values are our technology and our values are are, pre- are are premised on exactly what we've been talking about, which is let's let's band together as a common tribe to help each other and support each other in the course of our career journeys. And that's, so it's a paid membership model you know, around uh, $2,700 a year to be a member. We build education and content for people. We provide certifications and credentialization. We provide them with job opportunities, but most importantly, we provide them with a global peer group of people that are aligned on their values.
0: And so, and yes. And then I would, how would you, okay. So somebody new comes in, they're up and coming and they're starry eyed and, and ready to take on the world can you not necessarily you, because obviously you're not in the trenches all the time, but maybe, maybe you lead some of the um, masterminds type things. I don't know, but um, can you tell if somebody's come in and they're expecting something completely different and they're not coming from their heart? Because, you know, to me that
1: well, we could tell in our retention care, you know, in our retention metrics, okay. uh, I think you're making a really important point, which is that you know, we talk about our market and we talk about the functions, right? VP of sales, vice president of sales sure. at a startup. That's true. But there's another layer, another filter, which is exactly your point, which is their psychographic profile, which is, mm-hmm. are they a giver? Mm-hmm. Are they a connector? Are they a lifelong learner? Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they're none of those things, if they are somebody that, again, this there's a guy messaging me saying like, I haven't gotten any leads. Right.
0: It's right. Like,
1: you know, I want him to renew because I run a business and I of want course. him to be a member. Yeah. But part of me wants to say this isn't a good place for you because that's not what you know. It's not about that. Yeah. It's about. I, go ahead.
0: No, I was just thinking. Do you know Dory Clark?
1: No, I don't. Hang on, just a. Sec.
0: Um, she's in New York. That's why I asked. She's um, or she was. She's in Miami now. But um, she wrote a book called The Long Game which is exactly what you're talking
1: about. Yeah, and, uh, right, I think you're more well-versed in my subject matter than I have. Janice. Well, no, no, like no this great is, books. I'm
0: not trying to say that. I'm just saying that-, that No, that I'm
1: saying it's, say that. that's exactly right. Yeah. Like the long game is what I try to play. You know, yeah. every time I try to play a short game, I lose. And every time I play a long game, I win. And the long game just means I don't need anything to happen from this interaction right now. I'm right. going to trust, I'm going to trust because to he who hath much more shall be given, you know, again,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: when you need, you you repel, when you have, you attract.
0: Yeah. And, and I know the the piece you said about, you know, um, the fellow calling you and, and uh, saying he's not getting any leads. I get the same thing with just you know teaching people how to use linkedin at the beginning you know if they're looking they're not sure how, and people will often say well i'm on linkedin but it doesn't do anything for me well what are you doing to make it work right and exactly. it's thing, right and you can't expect things to happen if you don't um, create the environment for them to happen so yeah i love that we're on the same page and that's that's where um you've got, you say in your book, helping others succeed is core to my being. It is the reason for being. And, and when you, you titled the next paragraph, the origins of generosity. And I was curious when you did that. Um, and I wrote, I wrote down, because you you talk in the book about you were the organizer, you organized the weekend getaways for your pals, and you you were the you know in that way the out the um, the extrovert. Because I I recognize that in me as well. I was the organizer of, of all sorts of things. But did the origins of generosity come from in a positive or negative way? I guess from your upbringing. Did it just happen in this trend, you know in this transition you made?
1: I think it's like it was always there, and I just had to define it, you know. And that's part of, you know, there's a part of the book where I work with a coach, different coach than the one I just mentioned, and he said, you know, he asked me this question, "What do you stand for?" And I'd never, and I laughed when he asked it, and I said, "What do you mean? You know, I stand for making money." Yeah. Said, (laughs) well, that's that's not that's not that's not a good answer. And so, um, so the point is, I think it was inside of me the whole time and I just needed to identify it and define it. Mm-hmm. And until you can do that, it's it's harder to put a plan together when your values or your destination are nameless. Once you have a destination, once you have a framework, then you can evaluate and measure your life against that framework to course correct. Mm-hmm.
0: So what's on the horizon for you?
1: <laughs> you know, what's on the horizon for me is trying to, is really trying to keep these ideas in mind as my company gets bigger. Uh, you know, we are, we're we're bigger than my wildest dreams. I know you say
0: that, like you didn't expect this, right? I didn't
1: expect it, um, until I did.
0: Yeah. Uh, Until,
1: until now you get to this place and you're like, well, I don't want to just have gotten to this place. I want to go further. And it is really, it is really about balancing exactly what we're talking about over the last half an hour Mm -hmm. with the ambition of trying to build something successful and meaningful without needing it to happen, Mm -hmm. without logging into a dashboard, uh, you know, in a recession and seeing a number go down and feeling like a failure or feeling like I'm not worthy or good enough. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's about trying to be a better leader and, um, you know, play what I call to your friend's book, you know, play the infinite game, Mm -hmm. you know, to be able, if I want to ever sell this company and sometimes I think about Mm -hmm. selling it or, you know, Getting out in some way, mm-hmm. um, I know that the only way to do that is to not to not want to sell it, right. and to not want to get out. It is to accept, to build joy in my daily life and my daily practice, so that I can do this forever. And that's when, if anything were to happen, that's when it would happen. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's what I'm working on right now is like, how do I design the company so that we're profitable mm-hmm. so that we can continue to exist forever? How do I design my own life so mm-hmm. that we're profitable and we can continue yeah. to exist forever? How do I make sure that the meetings I have are enjoyable and that I'm spending time in my zone of genius doing things that I really like doing? You know, that's the journey that I'm on.
0: So just 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 to just before we wrap up, I I think about when you say, you know, when we talked earlier about being in control because now you have your own company, you also had um, an influx of um, investment from somebody or something or some people. So does that make you ever have a pit in your stomach or feel beholden so that you're not really in control? And you don't have to answer that if you don't no, want no, no. to. Yeah. No,
1: it's I, it's a great question. Less pit in my stomach that I I'm still in control. I okay. control the company, okay. Um, okay. but I feel a sense of obligation.
0: Okay.
1: I don't want to be the worst performing company in their portfolio.
0: Got I it. don't
1: want them to write off the investment. I don't want them to think if we could do it again, we wouldn't have invested. Doesn't so let's matter.
0: change that but to an and. I am in control and, right? And I.
1: Yeah, exactly. I am. Yeah. And that's the yeah. truth. And that's but that's part of the motivation and the ambition is I'm in control and um, and I want to build. It doesn't need to be the biggest company in the world, you know, but I want to build a sustainable, durable company that delivers value and changes thousands of people's lives.
0: Right. So that those uh, people so that those people, as they pass, um, pass it forward, uh, pay it forward, will say this is where you should be if you want to grow your career. Exactly. Yeah, true pavilion. That's awesome. So one last question. Um, what advice, what one piece of advice would you um, leave with my audience about business and, and everything we've talked about?
1: I, um, what's my one piece of advice? It's, it is really to put to, to take a long-term view, you know, it's sort of three pieces of advice. Build relationships, not transactions. Play a big, long game versus a short, small game. And look to offer assistance before you ask for assistance. And if you can work as hard as you can to stop keeping score in your human relationships, I think you'll go very
0: far. Awesome. Thank you, Sam. That was really brilliant. I appreciate that. And thank you for being spending the time with me and, and being on my uh, podcast If you like what you heard, please leave a review. Go and check out Pavilion. If you are an entrepreneur who wants to climb that corporate ladder or start your own business, you'll get inspired. And uh, check Sam out at...
1: Well, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can email me, samatjoinpavilion.com.
0: Perfect. I can't wait to talk to you. All right. Thank you so much, Sam. And again, to my audience, remember to stay connected and be remembered.